1: You're listening to SBS on the
2: Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Coming up, the economy slows, but per capita Australia is in a recession. What does it mean? And oil prices surge as OPEC cuts supply. That's next. This is your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Wednesday, the 6th of September 2023. Later on Market Day, we'll speak with Luke Larrative from Seneca Financial Solutions. But first to the Australian economy and GDP, which according to the Bureau of Statistics, expanded by 0.4% in the June quarter. That is the seventh quarter of expansion in a row but annual growth slowed to 2.1%. For a wrap of what that all means, I spoke with Adam Boyton. He is the head of Australian economics at ANZ. Adam, what does today's GDP numbers say about the economy and where the growth is coming from?
0: So today's GDP numbers tell us the economy is growing a bit below trend. It's not incredibly weak. You'd call it more soft growth. And it tells us that growth is coming from a couple of areas in the quarter, exports, government spending, and a little bit of growth from business investment.
2: So does it confirm that the economy can indeed achieve this soft landing that the Reserve Bank has been talking about? And what does it mean for monetary policy?
0: I think today's data do suggest we are on track to achieve that soft landing. Growth of 0.4 this quarter, growth of 0.4 last quarter. Uh, So that's a little below trend. But you've got growth a little below trend, inflation moderating, and the unemployment rate still fairly low. That's almost textbook soft landing.
2: Okay. Can we take a look at some of the specific measures, though? Because on a per capita basis, we're in recession, uh, contracting for a second consecutive quarterly um, uh, basis. What does this mean, and what are the implications of this?
0: Well, I think it's important to remember Australia's always had population growth. They're not quite as strong as we have now. So generally, economists won't focus too much on whether you are or aren't in a per capita recession. What I think all of this means for me is, uh, firstly, with an unemployment rate of 3.7, the economy doesn't look and feel like it's in recession. But I suspect what the differences between the per capita and the headline numbers are saying is that for the household sector things are a bit tougher than they are for the business sector because, of course, the business sector is is getting the benefit of that stronger population growth. But, of course, individual households uh, are in that per capita economy.
2: Speaking of businesses, we hear a lot about the need for productivity to rise. It's one of the conditions the Reserve Bank is looking to keep interest rates on hold. Um, but doesn't today's numbers point to a further decline in GDP per hour worked again, meaning productivity is not improving?
0: We did see another decline in productivity uh, in the Q2 Q2 national accounts. What I'd say about that is it looks like there's a bit of noise in the numbers. Productivity shot up during the pandemic. It's now coming back down to earth. I don't think we'll get a good read on what true trends in productivity are until we get data for the second half of this year and early next. There's a bit of noise in the productivity productivity numbers right now. We'll need to come back and, and assess what the true trend is in about six months' time.
2: Um, we're seeing the household savings ratio fall to its lowest since 2008. And, uh, on, on a, another note, another half a million low fixed rate loans are expected to tick over to those higher variable rates later this year. What does this say about the way the consumer will cope with what even the treasurer said today will be a considerably, a considerably slower growing economy going forward?
0: So, the consumer sector is soft. We saw household consumption up just 0.1 in Q2. That's a very soft number. That's really being driven by a big fall in discretionary spending by households. So, this does tell us that monetary policy, higher interest rates are having an impact on the household sector. That's likely to be the case for some time. There's, a, a I guess, a, a bright spot for discretionary household spending, though, and that's Purchases of motor vehicles were incredibly strong. That probably won't last, but it's fair to say, yes, the household sector and household consumption is feeling the the pressure of higher interest rates right now.
2: The RBA did talk about the increased uncertainty around the outlook for the Chinese economy yesterday. The Treasurer today said we won't be immune from a slowdown in China. How's that exactly going to play out for the Australian economy?
0: Well, we saw some of that in today's data. For example, we had a big fall in commodity prices. That then hit company profits. That then hit nominal GDP, so the value of of production in the economy. Uh, And that's how I think we'll see weakness in China play out, uh, downward pressure on commodity prices, downward pressure on company profits. And so the, the income side of the Australian economy a little weaker. It doesn't seem to affect how much we produce it more affects how much money we have floating through the economy more broadly. Uh, certainly, it's a big issue for Canberra because lower commodity prices do impact government revenues.
2: And finally, just wrapping everything up, given all the, all the things we saw today, what does it mean for interest rates? Does it change your view?
0: No, it doesn't change my view at all. Indeed, if anything, I think today's data tell us that uh, we, we, we look to be on track for a soft landing, uh, and that means interest rates on hold for quite some time.
2: Adam Boyton, there, the head of Australian economics at ANZ. Hi. Now, market day on the SBS On the Money podcast. The Australian share market fell today. The S&P ASX 200 down 0.8 percent, 7,257. For more, I spoke with Luke Larrative. He is the CEO and investment advisor at Seneca Financial Solutions.
1: Yeah, ASX is down sort of 0.8 uh, percent with pretty broad-based sell-off. Ricardo, it's been led by technology names and the telco sector. It's really a combination of factors from rising oil prices, rising bond yields, a rising US dollar. Uh, So all of those kind of risk-off sentiments have kind of driven the market lower.
2: So you mentioned those rising oil prices. I'm guessing that's one of the reasons why the energy stocks were the best performing today.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've been the the, the one kind of bright spot. uh, Oil prices back over $90 a barrel US, which is the first time they've been that high since November. It's on the back of Saudi Arabia announcing they're going to continue with their $1 1 million barrels per day production cuts. And Russia also sort of signing up for uh, three hundred thousand barrels a day through to the end of the year. So looks like demand's going to get uh, continue to grow, and we're going to see supply tightening up. So that's why the prices have got stronger. Yes. Yeah, so what are the implication of those higher oil prices? Pretty much just inflation. Like it's inflationary. Essentially, oil is a is a key input for for a range of industries and a range of parts of how we move stuff around the world. So if uh, oil prices are going to be higher for longer, we might see inflation start to tick back up again and that's going to put pressure on central banks to, uh, to take action.
2: Okay. The Australian dollar is at, an, at a near 10-month low against the US. Some of that's got to do with China worries. To what extent is that something you're watching? Because we heard from the RBA governor yesterday say, hey, uh, it's keeping an eye on the Chinese economic outlook. And then we also heard from the treasurer following the GDP numbers even today saying, hey, China will have an impact on Australia.
1: Yeah, it, it always does. It's, it's a key part of our economy at the end of the day. A rising U.S. dollar sort of asymmetrically disadvantages emerging market economies. Um, the IMF estimates that uh, a 10% rise in the, in the U.S. dollar uh, t- turns into a 1.9% per, per, per annum decrease in, in output for those emerging countries. So we've already seen the emerging markets index, which China is China's a big part of, underperform the rest of the world from a stock market perspective by 13% over the last 12 months. And, and I think that that might continue for a little bit longer. Uh, that being said, China is putting some policy uh, in place to try and stimulate the economy, stimulate growth and sort of offset uh, some of those uh, regional concerns. Um, but, yeah, it is all about how currencies interact t- together. Uh, it can be significant depending on whether the nation's a net importer, net exporter and just how their economy functions.
2: The Qantas story continues. How's the market reacting to that early retirement of Alan Joyce there?
1: the uh, Qantas shares were already down kind of 9.5% during August. Uh, with the sort of various well-reported regulatory issues. Um, The shares were pretty flat yesterday on the back of the announcement. They've jumped up 1.3% today uh, against the market, which is a pretty good performance. Uh, I think Alan Joyce has been one of the best CEOs in the country over the last 15 years, and despite a few little issues at the end, um, you know, we've got probably pretty well regarded by shareholders overall. Last question, opportunities for investors, what are they right now? Uh, look, I think the healthcare sector has probably been the, the standout opportunity on the back of reporting season uh, and offering some compelling value now. We've seen CPAP uh, machine manufacturer ResMed, ResMed uh, fall 27% and the diagnostics company Sonic Healthcare also down. We think both of those look pretty good value. We've added them to our Australian shares portfolio uh, and expect them to outperform over the coming months. Look, there
2: from Seneca Financial Solutions.